Bonjour, hello, and happy wet thir- Thursday. Thursday, everybody. Welcome to... Is it <laughs> what Thursday? A Thursday? What a start. Welcome to the Think of the Fits <laughs> podcast. My name is Justin Heyer. I'm here with Nick Bellato. This is the show where a guy and his former high school history teacher talk a lot about football and very little about history. And today, we are here after our brief holiday break to preview the rest of the Miami Dolphins makeup season schedule to go through some NFL hot takes as per usual. I'll throw Nick a hot take and he'll tell me how far he is diving into that take. And we'll end off with a fun random wildcard question as we usually do, presuming one of us brought one to the table today or can find one as the show goes <laughs> along. That's how we do That's how we do it on the show. We, we come and we just... We, yeah, wing we, it. we wing it. This yeah. Is, you know, it, it's our show. We make the rules and just sometimes there, there are no rules. And so today, Nick, we're going to dive right on in to our Miami Dolphins because I know that on a seven-game win streak at this point, you and I are excited to talk about Dolphins football. A hell of a lot more excited we were than we were seven games ago when the team was fresh off a seven-game losing streak. So the Dolphins are fresh off a 20-3 victory over the New Orleans Saints and have the Tennessee Titans and England Patriots left on the schedule. The Dolphins are currently sitting due to a whole jumble of tiebreakers in the seventh seed, and the team completely controls its own destiny, something that's just wild after starting the year one and seven. So let's start off talking about a little bit what happened in that Saints game, and then we'll dive into what to expect with the rest of the season. But what are your impressions, uh, or even since we last spoke, because that, that Jets game was uh, between there as well, what are your impressions of how the Dolphins have been over the last game or two and what we can expect? So uh, defensively, I think you're seeing what this unit has been capable of all year, um, just continuing to kind of play out in front of us. Um, the, uh, you know, the defense, both against the Jets and uh, against the Saints, has, has, has been playing lights-out football. Uh, the problem is, I think, in both games, and I think we could say that this has kind of been an issue all season, is that the offense just can't – doesn't seem to be able to keep pace um, for the majority of the time. And I think that's that's really concerning at this point because you – you listen, I, I, I love that Miami has played themselves back into a situation where if they win, they're in, right? Which, like you said, seven weeks ago, I don't think anyone in America would have thought that. Um, maybe even in the universe would have thought that the way that the Dolphins are playing at the time. Um, so incredible that we're even in this conversation, but we're about to play two offenses that are pretty good at scoring some points. And our defense, as lights out as they've been playing, every once in a while they're going to give up points. And, you know, I think the, the Saints game was more concerning for me than uh, offensively than the Jets game was. Because the Saints had like, what, a third of their roster was signed off the street? Something insane like that? Like they were missing a third of the roster because of COVID and a lot of that. You know, listen, their defensive line was there, the Saints defensive line, which is something that is, you know, people need to give credit to. That defensive line is very ferocious. Um, but that offense should have put up more than 13 points, and they just didn't. And it's it's concerning for me, I think, going into these next two matchups where you know – that the Titans can score and you know that the Patriots can score. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, the the uh, the Saints game. I think going into that, most Dolphins fans were concerned about the fact that that defensive line, that defensive unit in general, but that defensive line especially, is top five in the NFL. Marcus Davenport and Cameron Jordan have been a fearsome duo over the course of the year. Cameron Jordan, obviously, a future Hall of Fame player, and Marcus Davenport finally starting to live up to his draft pedigree over the last couple of months. So you look at Miami's offensive line, which has the worst pass block win rate in the entire league, uh, according to pro football focus. And then you look at that fantastic Saints defensive line and you're like, okay, I mean, this is the mismatch of all mismatches. And it showed, I mean, Liam Eikenberg, his, his whole season has been a roller coaster. I mean, he, he, yeah, he's had right. games where he's been an absolute stud. Like he was, uh, against the Jets, like he's been several other times this year. But there have also been games where he's been one of the worst linemen in the league, which he was uh, against Marcus Davenport on Sunday. Jesse Davis, on Monday rather, Jesse Davis got absolutely toasted all game long and got but, to... Uh, but that one bothers me more than the other one does. I'm sorry to interrupt you because yeah. Jesse Davis has been burnt and destroyed every single week. I don't understand how he's still playing. Yeah. I, it's because there's no one better to take up the right tackle spot, unfortunately, unless you were to kick Rob Hunt out of guard where he's been a top five guard over the past five weeks. Um, so yeah, there's that. really no one else to replace Jesse Davis. He got toasted by Cameron Jordan several times, one of which got to a absolutely smacked and got me worried that he was going to get hurt again. And mm. you saw it in Tua's play. I mean, there were a couple times, obviously, where Tua was able to escape that pressure, and he did so a few times in like magical magician-like fashion. But other times, I mean... There's a reason Tua has the quickest yeah. time to throw. One is because he's really good at those quick rhythm passes. The other is because he has no time to throw. I mean, he was under duress practically all game. So that, yeah. it's not, I'm not even making excuses here. I'm just acknowledging what you're saying and that there's reason to worry because Miami has to put up more points. You just have to take some solace in the fact that, you know, the, both the Titans and the Patriots uh, don't quite have the defensive line that the Saints do, although the Patriots' defensive line is also quite good. Yeah, and the and the Saint and the Titans defense isn't you know something no, to, to laugh at either. It's a it's a it's a quality defense, um, and that's that's why I'm I, that's why I'm really concerned. And, and you're right. Um, I think you know you need to understand the context of this offense because the offensive line is atrocious, and without a good offensive line, no quarterback can thrive. And we've talked about that many times. Um, so with that context, it helps understand it, but it doesn't fix the problem, right? Because this is right. a team that's still going to struggle to put up points, and I. You know, can they keep up with these two guys that are going to come to town? You better hope these defense. Listen, um, I saw a great statistic. I don't remember who it was, so I apologize to the universe for taking this. But somebody on Twitter said something along the lines of the Dolphins lead the league in sacks. And Tannehill has been the most sacked quarterback this year, which I think is insane considering how bad the Dolphins are. Um, but, it, you know, maybe there's something there. Maybe if they can keep pressure on Tannehill. Uh, they can force him into making a couple errant throws, which, you know, we remember very fondly that he's capable of doing. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's your key to victory, right, is oh, yeah. your defense has to has to play and your offense, I think, just has to be comp- competent. Um, you know, you're talking about Tua, and I think when you watch him maneuver the pocket, I think what he did against the Saints on Monday was masterful. Um, but then he does boneheaded things, like throws that ball to uh, – to Matt Collins into double coverage when Jalen Waddle's sitting there for, you know, wide open. He could have gotten the first down. He's going for the home run hit. And, you know, that kind of stuff can can really wreck any offensive game plan. So, uh, 
don't know. It's very concerned. But listen, we get to talk about postseason, Justin. And I think that's fun in itself. We do. And that's that. It's pretty fun and pretty darn special. Again, I've said this for the third, fourth or fourth time now, considering where we were seven or eight weeks ago. And you're, you're talking about two his errant throws. There was another one there where he, he threw that interception. There seems to be like one or two of those pretty much every single game against game. the Jets. He also had one or two. Uh, he had a couple picks yeah. in that game. But what I did like to see and what has been true about Tua and his play throughout the entire year, especially over these latter few weeks, is that when he does make that errant throw, he bounces back essentially right away. And in the Saints game, it was, I think, exactly right away when the Dolphins yeah. got the ball back after that pick. That's when he threw that 45-yard dime to Mac Collins down the sideline and then drove Miami all the way down for a score, which you need to see. The problem is that most teams, all teams, are not going to be starting Ian Book at quarterback over the rest of the year. They're not going to be missing half the roster to COVID. And so other teams will be able to capitalize more on those errant throws. So we need to minimize those as much as possible, obviously. I mean, what I really want to focus on from that Saints game, though, to take some positive out of it, is how, I think how wrong I was initially, by the way, about Jalen Waddell and just how fantastic he's been. I mean, I was someone who wanted either Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, and then if not them, then Devonta Smith. Not because I didn't acknowledge that Jalen Waddell was good. Of course, I knew he was good, but he was my fourth of those top-tier offensive options in the NFL draft. And he's been, I think, arguably the best of the bunch, probably about on par with Jamar Chase in terms of productivity. He is about to break the NFL record for receptions. Knock on wood, he stays healthy. He's five behind Anquan Bolden for the rookie record in receptions. He's breaking Dolphins records left and right, just past Chris Chambers for most receiving yards by a rookie. And he was the single reason that the Dolphins were able to move up and down the field at all against the New Orleans Saints. I just think that needs to be shouted out, talked about, acknowledged, and appreciated by Dolphins fans and NFL media everywhere. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100 with you, and uh, I think I think both of us were kind of surprised when Miami took Waddle over uh, over Devonte Smith when they had the opportunity to do so. Uh, but I, you know, I, I remember saying that I think you know I was shocked about it, but I do think he's the better fit for this team. And so far, he's proven he's he proven uh, he's proven that part right. He's been great on this team. I think he should be in consideration for a Rookie of the Year spot. Um, I think it's unfortunate that he didn't get a Pro Bowl nod when Pro Bowl nods come so cheaply nowadays. Uh, you know, it, especially when you consider some of the other people that got Pro Bowl nods. Um, but yeah, I think I think Miami has. You know, if Tua can keep developing and Jalen Waddle continues to grow, and they're able to surround Tua with some um, offensive line help that'll allow him to hit Waddle deep, I think that's going to be a really dangerous combo in Miami. Yeah, you talk about offensive work of the year. If that award ever went to linemen, I think Creed Humphrey and Rashawn Slater would certainly be up there. They've been Creed Humphrey's been arguably the best center in the NFL this year. Rashawn Slater, a top ten tackle. Um, Mac Jones, I think, is going to be in consideration just because the best rookie QB every year is always in consideration. But it's really a two horse race between Chase and Jalen Waddle. Waddle is pacing in receptions that are going to break records. Jamar Chase has the lead in yards and plays on a much better offense. So, you know, toss up there. But if Waddle keeps up this pace that he's at right now over these last two weeks, he breaks records and he's the reason the Dolphins get a playoff spot. I would be surprised if it's not a very close two horse race uh, over these last couple of weeks. It just, uh, he really has been showing out uh, and as probably the offensive MVP 
on that team, uh, especially when when you could. Yeah, he, yeah. Say, especially when you consider the other options. He's the only one you can even right. give that to. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we're talking about Tennessee now. The Titans, by the way, just to keep us current with news, uh, Julio Jones is currently on the reserve COVID list. A.J. Brown was not on the injury report yesterday, but was DNP today with a calf injury. Uh, NFL Network's Jeez. Mike Garofalo saying it's injury. probably precautionary and he has a good shot to play on Sunday, but a DNP after a full practice is always scary because it means a mid-practice injury. Uh, and often teams now are putting rest if it is a rest-related situation. So uh, it is likely an injury-related situation there with A.J. Brown. They're missing some other players to COVID also. The Dolphins, though, also might be missing some players to COVID. Mostly depth guys. But starting safety Brandon Jones is looking uh, increasingly unlikely. I was seeing some conflicting reports there as to whether or not he's officially out. Uh, I believe he still has time to clear protocols under the new protocols that have been put in place by the NFL. So that's the current injury situation. Derrick Henry, there were some murmurings he might come back this week when the Titans posted a somewhat cryptic Instagram post. But as of now, as of the recording of this show on Thursday, still looking like Derrick Henry will be at least another week before he returns for Tennessee. So with all of that said, Nick, your keys to the game for Miami. Pressure the hell out of Tannehill. Uh, make him make him make mistakes because you're gonna I don't think this offense is gonna keep up with them. Uh, so you gotta you gotta lower the you gotta lower the bar for the offense a little bit. You gotta keep this game close. You gotta put the pressure on Tannehill and if you could get a turnover or two, that would be wonderful. It really would be because Miami has been has been feasting off of turnovers and sacks these last couple of games. The Dolphins defense is the hottest defense, is the best defense in the NFL over the last bunch of weeks. People are pointing to who they've played, and that's fair. Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets, this you know, really broken Saint yeah, Saint Squad. I understand why you can look to those opponents, but shouldn't take away from the fact that Emmanuel Ogba has been on fire. Javon Holland has been one of the best safeties in the NFL, Xavier yeah. Howard after a rough first couple of weeks of the year, is back to his uh, Pro Bowl All-Pro form. So uh, this team, especially if the Titans are missing a few of those key offensive pieces, should be able to keep up that defensive pressure, keep up that defensive fire against the Titans. And uh, like you said, Tannehill, the most sacked quarterback, never really handled pressure that well against the Dolphins. And that team really, really mm-hmm. thrives, the Tennessee Titans do off of being able to protect Tannehill, give him time to cut defenses up down the field and play that play-action game really well. And if the Dolphins are pressuring strong, the Titans are not going to be able to do that. Offensively, my key for Miami is to get that running game back and going. I mean, it was essentially nowhere to be found against the New Orleans Saints. Duke Johnson led the team with 39 yards and three yards per carry. He had that fantastic bulldozing run uh, for 10 or 11 yards. But other than that, the Dolphins running game was mostly quiet, and it's what got the team to 31 points against the Jets the week before. So getting that running game back and going really helps Tua. It keeps teams from teeing off on pressure. I personally liked to see Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay leading the Dolphins rushing attack. I know Miles Gaskin was the guy earlier in the year, and he's got that pass-catching ability, but he's just not the same runner that, that Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay are. So I would really like to see Miami thrive off that running game again. Yep, me too. I think that would be – I think if you can take the pressure off Tua to win this game, you have a very good chance uh, to, to come out of Tennessee with a, with a much-needed victory because, like we were talking about being in the playoffs, you lose this game and your playoff show your playoff chances decrease quite significantly. They do. And on that note, 
The Dolphins' playoff chances, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, are at 100% if the Dolphins are able to win out. Okay? We all know that that's sort of been the headline for the Dolphins over the last couple of weeks. It, it, it simply has to happen for Miami. Now, if the team loses either to Tennessee or to New England, those playoff chances drop below 15%. And there's a lot of help. Yeah. That Miami needs at that point in order to in order to make the playoffs. It's this weird combo of scenarios that needs uh, Pittsburgh to lose, but also to win one specific game against Baltimore. The Raiders have to lose one. The Chargers have to lose one. It's just a whole mess, really. And so, for the Dolphins to have a real chance, they really got to control their own destiny and win out. I'm going to cut myself off there, though, Nick, because we have some big other Dolphins news that just broke a minute ago. Oh, no. It's good news. Oh, good. Your favorite player in Dolphins history, Zach Thomas, has been named a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist for the class of 2022. We got to stop. We got to appreciate that there for a second because I think everyone has been uh, campaigning for Zach Thomas, everyone affiliated with South Florida sports and especially Dolphins football to make the Hall of Fame. Someone who's got comparable stats to Hall of Famers in uh, in Brian Urlacher and the like. And so uh, th- this is one that Dolphins fans have been waiting for. I believe he was a finalist last year as well and just missed the cut. So here's to hoping he has a good chance going up against other defensive stalwarts in Patrick Willis and Demarcus Ware, uh, Andre Johnson and Devin Hester. Talking offensive special teams are on the list as well. So he has a chance. And I believe this is one of his last years of modern era eligibility. So knocking on wood there for Zach Thomas to have to have a gold jacket of his own and a bust in Canton. So like I was mentioning there, very low chance if it's a one-win situation. Dolphins kind of have to win out. Um, let's look ahead because we only have two more weeks. And we had Lucas here mention in the chat looking forward to uh, looking forward to week 18, as I'm sure many are, if the Dolphins are able to win against Tennessee. I know we're obviously going to preview that game, but let's look ahead for a minute because we only got two more games. Thoughts on New England week 18? <sighs> Thank God it's at home. And if it's this New England team, uh, the one from the last few weeks, I think it's, you know, Miami's got a good shot. But if it's the New England team from a few weeks prior, I think we got a major issue because they were firing all cylinders. Uh, I don't know. It can can. Brian Flores did a pretty good job coming up with a game plan to stop Matt Jones in the beginning of the year, but he's grown a lot since that time. Can they put together another game plan that kind of gets him rattled? And uh, similarly to with Tannehill, just kind of keep the game close and don't let him do anything that's going to, you know, blow this game open. I think, I think Miami should be able to win that one. I think I'm, and I, I know I say saying this is going to like, of course, jinx it, but I feel more concerned about the Tennessee game than I do about the New England game. At, at least at the moment. That's so interesting because I would probably go the other way around only because Miami Miami at times this year has been great against the run. They were pretty uh, well off able to stop Alvin Kamara last week, but that was with a, a complete and total um, uh, patchwork of an offensive line for the Saints. They didn't really face any other great rushers uh, over, the, la- over the, the few weeks before that. You know, it was uh, a rotating uh, stable over with the Jets. It was a, a barely half their Saquon Barkley with the Giants. Uh, so, you know, 
I'm a little bit worried about Miami to, uh, Miami's ability to stop New England's fearsome rushing attack. I mean, that's one of the best rushing attacks in the entire league, pairing Damian Harris and, and Ramondre Stevenson. Titans don't have that right now without Derrick Henry. So uh, it's, if I had to pick one, I'd probably be a little more worried about Belichick in a win-and-in week than I would the Titans, but probably, probably pretty close. Any other Dolphins I, notes that you want to hit on before we go to our uh, our NFL hot takes? Well, I just you know, I also think that the playing at home is is going to be helpful for this team if they're able to get out of Tennessee with a win. I think you know their chances of taking home a W at home, you know, against New England. I think I think it's I don't know. I just feel a little bit better about that. I just feel like this this Tennessee game is going to be one of those games where we look at uh, you know a week after and we're just like, how could you lose this game? This is the game that mattered. You needed to win to get the playoffs kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just like old times. I'm just because of old times. I'm like freaked out about it. Yeah. The dolphins in the uh, history past have not been great in winning in scenarios. No, uh, it's great. is an understatement. It's been pretty much uh continuous disappointment other than 2016 uh, in, in Adam Gase's first year, especially last year. The win and in scenario in Buffalo where we just got completely and totally smacked around by the Bills backups. So here's the hope in that that changes. Being on a hot streak right now, 7 or 0 certainly helps that. Uh, but, you know, just, just going to continue to continue to knock on wood there. All righty. Everyone's favorite segment, which I like to say for all of our segments, but everyone's favorite segment now, we're going to NFL Hot Takes. I'm going to give you, Nick, a hot take. You're going to tell me how far you're diving in or maybe how far you're backing off of these respective hot takes. And we're going to start We're going to start over in the NFC, okay? The Arizona Cardinals, after being the NFL's most exciting team over the first, I mean, you call it two-thirds of the season, have kind of looked like a shell of their former selves. They just lost 22 to 16 to the Colts the week before that they lost to one of if not the worst team in the NFL in the Detroit Lions. Nick, the Arizona Cardinals are going to be one and done in the playoffs. Uh yeah, I'm about 75% in on that. I just think the team this is a team that, you know, what is this, two years in a row have just kind of like stunk it up when it comes to it matters games. Um I mean, they're going to have to run into somebody pretty solid uh cuz they, you know, they're probably going to have a really tough matchup. I can't see I can't see them winning a match. As of this iteration of the Cardinals, I can't see them really beating anybody they might be matched up against. No, I mean, so right now, if you're looking at the NFL playoff picture, the Arizona Cardinals have, I believe, clinched a spot. Yeah, they've clinched a spot. Correct. And they are currently... But not the division at the moment. Correct? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the Rams are still leading the division at 11-4. The Cardinals, you're talking about matchups right now. They're currently the fifth seed, and that's going to send them over to Tampa Bay <laughs> to play Tom Brady and the Bucks. And I just don't right. see – I understand that Chris Godwin's out. I understand that London Fournette's hurt and that Mike Williams is hurt. I, don't, I really don't care. I mean, this Bucks team is, to me, far and away the favorite if they play the Cardinals right now. The Cardinals' offense is just an absolute mess without DeAndre Hopkins, with an injured James Conner. I, I'm with you. I, I'm completely and totally with you. I don't see barring uh, barring one of those any given Sunday games where you just see someone beat someone they shouldn't. How this iteration of the Cardinals 
is able to beat uh, is able to beat this iteration of the Bucks. I saw a tweet the other day. Cliff Kingsbury is one of the worst coaches in the NFL over the second half of the season. When you look at his head coaching record, Brian Flores is one of the worst head coaches in the NFL in the first half of the season, and they flip uh, in terms of best coach. So, tweet said if you pair. Uh, Brian Flores' second half and Cliff Kingsbury first half, you'd have an undefeated head coach, which is probably almost true. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that's not how it works. And Kingsbury has just completely, like you said, flubbed in and got to have it games. So uh, I'm with you on that one. Moving over to uh, the uh, the other red team in the same division, we're going to the San Francisco 49ers. Trey, uh, Trey Lance looks like he might be making his second career start Jimmy Garoppolo has a thumb injury Nick if Trey Lance comes in he's gonna light it up and it'll be his job through the playoffs Jimmy Garoppolo is done in San Francisco if he can't start this game no I don't think so I don't think he's done he's looked I think darn bad over the last month or so yeah but they've been winning haven't they they have been this is true and this is true like you know listen there's there's when you're winning, you roll with who's got the hot hand, even if it's not the most statistically impressive hand. If 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 he's the guy who's winning your football games, you you stick with him, injury or not. So uh, I think you know this might be a situation where if uh, if Trey Lance comes in and he plays decently well, then they can move on from Garoppolo in the off season. But I don't think I don't know. I don't think he's going to lose his job for this tense playoff run uh, if if he just gets hurt, unless like. Unless Trey Lance puts up like 400 yards, five touchdowns, and it's like it's like an all-time performance, then I would get it. And he just might, by the way, because they're playing uh, the Houston Texans. So as far as soft matchups go for, for a quarterback to come in and take over the job, this is about as soft as it gets. Tell that to Justin Herbert. You know what? That, that is a fair counterpoint. And, and with that, I will move to our next hot take. Baker Mayfield will not be the head, uh, the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns in September of 2022. Ooh, that's a good one. I actually think they are going to move on from Baker. I don't think he's done anything to get you super excited. I think I think paying him a whole lot of money to give you, uh, you know, essentially what is a, a eh quarterback is going to be a waste of your time and money. I think, yeah, I I feel pretty strongly this is Baker's last season in, in Cleveland, especially how terrible uh, this team has played compared to the preseason expectations from them. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you have to pay Baker at some point soon. Right now he's going to his fifth-year option, or rather he will be going into next season. And at that point, do you want to be going in with a quarterback on the end of his deal with that sort of uncertainty on a team that really should be, given its talent and depth, a playoff contender, a perennial playoff contender, uh, that's one of the most talented rosters yeah. in the NFL. Baker coming off a four interception performance, and people are saying, "Listen, he's playing hurt. He's bruised and battered. This is not the Baker that you should be getting." And I get that, but we've really only seen one stellar season from Baker Mayfield, and this is about the time when you start paying your quarterbacks. If you're, you're going to have guys on the market like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, I mean, you're probably not replacing Baker with anyone in this rookie class right now. Yeah, I was just gonna say that the right. only the only way you're getting a different quarterback that you're gonna be comfortable moving on from Baker for is is going to be a free agent because this quarterback class is meh at best. Right, but the trade market for quarterbacks this coming year might be might one be of the most talented and impressive ever, uh, especially if 
some of these guys are forcing yeah. their way out of scenarios. Like we hear Rodgers might be, like we hear Wilson might be, and like we hear that someone from the Houston area, if his legal thing is getting resolved, might be as well. So just can you, can the Dolphins stop with that though? Can Because, I mean, listen, it's been reported a couple of times now that Tua – you know, he he wasn't immune to all the conversations that were being had. Like, God, I just, I just don't want Miami to be in that conversation anymore. Just move on. No, and Tua has shown, despite the fact that we talked about some of his, his, his errors over the last yeah, couple of weeks. He's a second-year quarterback. We got to, you know, as, as much as I was just critical of him, we got to take it with a grain of salt, I think. No, well, and also look at the good. I mean, there have been times this year where he's looked like the franchise guy that – the Dolphins expected him to be. And there was really only one of those games last year against the Arizona Cardinals where he put up those like wow moments. They've been coming far more frequently and far more regularly, and they've been coming with wins. So, you know, if we're talking about his future, if he's, put, if he's bringing this team to the playoffs, if it's Tennessee, New England, and then a wild card spot, my guess is that the Dolphins will not be looking to part with three or four first round draft picks plus to get rid of a quarterback who's putting that kind of potential up on his rookie contract. That that's, that's my two cents. That's, that's my guess on that. The Los Angeles chargers, as you already alluded to with your Justin Herbert comment lost to the Houston Texans. And so the hot take, the hot take here is thank you, Houston. The chargers are done. They're over. Move on to 2022. Currently now out of a playoff spot in, in the yeah. eighth seed. They are currently in the eighth seed. If we go, let's 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 go over to the uh, the trusty five thirty eight NFL playoff predictor, which has been everyone on Twitter's best friend. If they win out against the Broncos and the Raiders, five thirty eight gives the Chargers a sixty nine percent chance to make the playoffs. That 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 means a must win out scenario. So I, I'm going to go, let's see, I'm going to go, I'm past my belly button into the water on this because. Oh, you were getting graphic. Okay. Oh, belly button, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I, you know, divisional opponents are always tough. And I feel like this is a team that is, you know, after losing to the Texans has a lot of problems they need to address. Um, and I think playing divisional opponents is, is going to come back to Hanum. I think they're going to drop one of those two. The Raiders too, by the way. I mean, the, the Raiders right now are, are winning games. They're not playing. They're not playing outstanding football, but they just beat the Denver Broncos. Uh, they beat the Cleveland Browns the week before that. The Raiders are putting together just a little something of a hot streak going in uh, into these must-win games right now. They themselves uh, are, might be playing an Indianapolis Colts team that doesn't have Carson Wentz uh, as a. But maybe Phillip Rivers. Not, what is this? I'm not so sure how much the Raiders want, no, that, or they want to bring in uh, a Philip Rivers who has been coaching high school football games. I, I mean, maybe better than Sam Ellinger, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I saw that and I was not like, really? Is, yeah. I mean, it'd be cool because I love Philip Rivers, but yeah, not, not sure how much of an upgrade you're getting based on what we saw towards the end of his, end of his career there and the fact that he hasn't played football over the last year but we shall see let's now let's jump over to the afc north because the afc north right now i mean this is this is a division that people thought was going to put up three playoff teams 
or 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 all four uh, if you talk about the all three wild card spots plus the division leader in the Ravens, the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Browns at this point just has one. And so the hot take is, I mean, yeah, that's staying the same. It's going to be the Bengals and only the Bengals. All of the Browns, Steelers, and Ravens can kiss their playoff hopes goodbye. Yep. Yep. Goodbye. See you later. See you next year. Try again. Steelers, absolutely not. I'm going to go ahead and say that the Ravens, the way, you know, listen, the Huntley experiment was fun and exciting, but I just don't see them, you know, outpacing one of these other wildcard teams at the moment. I think it's going to be, I think we are, we are Cincinnati or bust. It, ha- it, it has to be uh, because, like you said, the, the, the Steelers and Ravens have been on a downward trajectory. We already talked about the Browns and struggles that they're having. I just I don't see a world right now in which Pittsburgh wins both of its next games. That's the, that's no the only way. way I really see this happening. I don't see the, Ram, uh, the Ravens beating the Rams this week, and then they have to beat Pittsburgh also next week. The Browns, I don't see winning out against the Steelers and the Bengals. So the only thing I could see would be if Pittsburgh manages to beat both Cleveland and Baltimore, in which case they really put themselves into a good spot, given their tie, uh, if any uh, of the current wildcard teams start to stumble, which are the Colts, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. So that's the only way I see it, and I don't see that happening. Uh, I imagine the Steelers are going to split their next two games, uh, given the struggles we've seen from Big Ben. And by the way possibly the end of Big Ben, because he already mentioned today, in fact, that he envisions this as possibly his last game at Heinz Field. So maybe that ignites some sort of resurgence for him, but the way he's been playing, that seems pretty darn unlikely. Yeah, no, I think, I think, I think the end of an era, or we're at the end of an era with, uh, with him. I just, he's been playing terribly. (laughs) Um, And I think, I think it's time for, for him to hang up the cleats. I really do. All right, Nick. Our final one here. We've already seen two head coaching vacancies open up over the course of the year. Obviously, really early on, we saw what happened with the Raiders and John Gruden. Then the Urban Meyer experiment ended and went up in flames in Jacksonville. Hot, hot take. Over the nice. next two weeks, we are going to see four more head coaching vacancies open up around the NFL. That's six total. So we're looking at so we're looking at Nagy, Zimmer. I think those are the, the two big ones, right? Uh what's his face? I can't think of his name. I can see him. Um the Giants guy. Yeah, I can't think of his name. Uh I think those three are gonna be gone. Um, I think based on how this team has performed, I think Stefanski needs to be in question, to be totally honest. Really? Coach of the year last year you're putting in question. I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger on it, but can you name a team that has underperformed more gloriously than the Cleveland Browns have in a, in the last you know couple of seasons? Um, the other name that came up for me was Vic Fangio in Denver. See, I don't know. I, I feel like if, if Denver can if Denver can win one of these next games, uh, which I you know I think they might be able to against the Chargers, because um, that was kind of the team I was thinking about uh, that could could upset them. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they gave Fangio another year. Um, I think the other one is someone that you mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago in Pete Carroll. We don't know what's going on with him. Um, 
that, that, that could be out there. Although I don't know if I see, see Seattle ever firing him. Uh, maybe he retires, but yeah, that resume is hard to fire. That's, that's sure. That's yeah. But uh, we've seen other coaches fired um, that we thought were shoe-ins to be there for a long time. So it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. You look at, I can get you. Tom Coughlin had a similar resume and although he was, he was sort of gracefully asked to leave. Uh, yeah, that was a little different. Uh, Matt rule, maybe in Carolina, I'm not comparing the scenarios. I'm saying maybe that's another name that we can see up there. Um, so any, this, this, I think they'll give rule another year. This, yeah, I, I think they will too. And there have already been reports that they might give Joe judge another year, which I don't, I don't really understand. It's more Daniel Jones that I'm and, and Dave Gettleman that need to go more than Joe judge. But when you're cleaning out your quarterback and your GM, Agreed. often you see teams just say, okay, let's clean house and restart. So that, that'll be, that'll be an interesting one there. I think David Colley will get another year in Houston, given the scenario he inherited Dan Campbell, I think for sure. It's another year in Detroit. So that four there, I sort of saw as the magic number. You take three or four of those, and then one or two get get another chance. Um, I could see four. Yeah. I could, yeah, I could see it. All right, so it sounds like you're waiting waiting about halfway in there. So we'll, no, uh, I'm, I'm a, I think I'm a little bit more than that because I, I I think four is a good number. I think you will see four because I mean those those I think Zimmer and Nagy are gone for sure, um, and uh, yeah. the other ones I think are yeah I think. Yes, four is good. <laughs> four is good. All right, Nick, we're moving on to our wild card question. I, don't, I asked you before the show, and I don't think either of us really, you know, like, like you said, we, we, we move on the fly on this show. We make, you know, we, we make our we own do. rules. And it. so I found a good one. I found a good one. I was sneaking around on, on, on the computer while we were, while we were, you know, was, you know, one of your rants, I sort of just, I was like, all right, let's, let's, let's look for, let's look for <laughs> one of my rants. Question. So the question I'm bringing <laughs> to the table today, it's, it's, we just passed holiday season. It is holiday season. We still got New Year's coming up. We just passed uh, gift giving season, if you will. And so my question to you, what is the best gift that you have ever given on Christmas or birthday? Ooh, that I've ever given. Wow. So, I mean, I don't know if I can identify a best one. Uh, I've given... So we can go received. What's the best gift you've ever received? We can we can flip around the question. So best gifts I've received were, uh, this was what, three years ago? Or one of the, the first one that came to mind, because I, I've, I've been very blessed in my life. Um, and I've gotten, you know, people in my life that have given me some pretty awesome, awesome gifts. So person that came to mind though, was, um, a couple of years ago, the now fiance bought Hamilton tickets for Chicago. And that was, that was pretty, that was when like, oh. it was still like ultra popular and still kind of new. Um, and it just kind of started branching out from Broadway. So, uh, that was pretty, that was pretty insane. Um, in terms of giving, um, you know, I, I'm someone who likes to, I think my best gifts are the ones where there's experiences involved. Um, so, you know, you know, concert tickets to a really big band or artist, or, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I bought said fiance, uh, we went to Boston, um, as kind of a, as a birthday gift. So stuff like that, I would say is up there. I think, I think that there's more to that as much as I like the the stuff sometimes, I think, the experiences are kind of, kind of awesome because uh, you get to share and all that fun. So it's cool. 
I agree. I think that that, that those are some great answers. Shouting out the fiance, and I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with also a bit of a, a multi-parter like you did. I, I'm gonna do best stuff gift just because those things are off, also fun, and so I want to, I want to mention. Oh, oh yeah, you have one. I want to, I want to mention. No, 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 so I, ahead. I got for uh, for my my birthday this year, or it was like sort of a combined. My birthday's near Hanukkah, so it's a combined thing. Um, I got a a Ridge wallet. I don't know if you know what Ridge wallets are. But it is one of my new favorite things, and I, I love it because you know it's one of, something that you end up taking with you every single day. Um, we're not we're not sponsored by Ridge. I wish we were, and if they want to, we we will more than more than happily accept that. So shout out to Ridge there. But this wallet, so they're metal wallets huh. um, that kind of look like card holders, but have a place for everything. So they have these elastic bands, and they stretch to however many cards you put in them. I put up the twelve cards in them. I have like six or seven in mine. They're super light. They, you essentially don't feel them in your pocket. They're designed to be put in your front pocket and they're just absolutely fantastic. You, you can either get a, a cash strap or a money clip that attaches to the back. So you end up bringing cash with you also if you still carry cash. Um, and it has like, in, it's, it's weird to say that a wallet has changed my life, but it's probably as close as a, a wallet can get to changing your life because now I don't have, uh, you know, a big bulky, uh, wallet that I carry around with me anymore. So, that's probably the best stuff gift uh, that I've ever gotten. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we got each other a combined gift when we're talking about experiences. We both chipped in for uh, a getaway a couple years back for, you know, to the beach with jet skiing and great food and, and that kind of stuff over in Sanibel nice. Island, which is a fantastic couples getaway place to go if anyone wants Beautiful a recommendation. There are just some awesome restaurants. There's all these sort of water sport activities, like you were saying, those experiences uh, sort of often overshadow uh, or at least um, certainly make more memories than the stuff gift. So I'm going to put that as a, as definitely a shadow destination to go to. If someone's looking for a great couples getaway place to go, Senebel Island is definitely an awesome one. And then my last one that I'll mention, uh, said girlfriend got me a like a combined bucket of things. I, I love both popcorn and the show friends. So she got me a friend's popcorn bucket that was filled with all these other little small things that I also love. Uh, which, you know, th- th- those personal touches, I think, uh, make the most difference. One of which was this fantastic Miami Dolphins throw blanket that uh, that, that I feature prominently in in the living room. So uh, nice. that's that's definitely a good one there. What about the worst? <laughs> she does. Worst gift? Worst gift that you've ever gotten or received? She knows you. Oh, I don't, <laughs> you don't want to say, say who. You don't have to say who. <laughs> no, but like I don't know. I don't want to say right. that on air. I don't want. All to right, all right. We will, we'll 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 stay ending on the happy note of the best things. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll stop there. We'll stop there. But anyway, um, that will be it for our show this week. Next week we will be back. I know we've had a couple of breaks here and there with the holidays and traveling and all that kind of stuff, but we will be back uh, to talk Tennessee Titans and Miami Dolphins. Uh, after said game this weekend, we'll be previewing the end of the year. Hopefully, the Dolphins still very much in a wild card spot. But until then, thank you very much to everyone for listening. We record live on the Spotify Green Room app. Uh, we will be posting on our Twitters. I'm at Hire Justin. He's at OSO6446. Uh, whenever we're going live, so you can jump on, interact with us in the chat. Uh, and of course, this show also goes on to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else you get your podcasts. Thank you very much to everyone for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.